0: This is the Thumb and Hammer Home Improvement Podcast, episode number 11. Home improvements, home renovations, home maintenance, home repairs, and all the other challenges of home ownership. Welcome to the Thumb and Hammer Home Improvement Podcast. Hey, hey, salutations from the Money Pit. My name is Doug, and I want to welcome you to another episode of the Thumb and Hammer Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I know that there are a lot of podcasts out there, and I really do appreciate this opportunity to talk to you. Those of you who have been following me for a while may notice that I'm a little bit late with this episode. Somewhere along the way, I lost a week. In fact, (laughs) just to show you how bad it is, I put our garbage out by the road last week. Garbage pickup is on Wednesday, and I thought I was on top of things. I kept nagging at my daughter, getting her to empty out some of the garbage pails in the house... Look, we all have to chip in and pull our weight. So anyway, I I get the garbage out to the road. And as I'm driving to work, I notice that nobody else has their garbage out. Hmm, how perplexing. I start thinking, was there a holiday that caused a delay in our normal pickup? Was our pickup day changed and I just missed the notification? I'm trying to think of every possible scenario in my head. And then I started reviewing my week. Monday. Tuesday. Oh, crap. Wednesday. Um, yeah. It was Thursday. It was Thursday. (laughs) The good news was that it was one day closer to the weekend than I thought it was, but the bad news was that I began second-guessing my own faculties. I mean, 48 isn't too young for early-onset Alzheimer's. But... I quickly dismissed that fear. I've had a lot on my mind lately concerning our own house and our short-term and long-term real estate plans. I'll be talking about some of that in upcoming episodes of this podcast. That plus, with working so much at my quote-unquote day job, the days tend to blend together. I don't need a neurologist as much as I need a vacation. Anyway, that that was on Thursday last week, and I should have released a podcast episode that day, but I didn't. So here we are. What I'm going to do is release another episode next week. Rather than record one long episode, I decided to split this week's content into two. Part one this week, part two next week, and then after that. I'll return to the every other week schedule for the podcast episodes. Does any of that make sense? Do you really care? Hey, if you subscribe to this podcast, you'll never miss an episode. Just saying. So please subscribe in iTunes. All right. Uh, This week, I want to revisit a topic that I started a couple months ago. The biggest mistakes homeowners can make. Back in episode number four, I talked about home inspections and how they're not the be-all and end-all when it comes to buying a house. I talked about the inspection done on my first house, how that inspector missed some things that he probably should have caught, and because of that, I questioned the value of the inspection in the first place. I talked about the reasons why we didn't have a complete home inspection done on our current house. And how an inspector probably wouldn't have uncovered most of the problems anyway because they were mostly hidden behind finished walls and ceilings. But I also talked about how even if the chances are pretty high that the inspector may not find any of the existing problems in a house, it is still a mistake. One of the biggest mistakes. Not to have a home inspection. Because with a home inspection, you at least have the opportunity to find problems that You're all but guaranteed not to find if you don't have an inspection at all. I spoke from my experience and I laid out how saving a couple hundred dollars has cost us over a $100,000. And all that was back in episode number four. So here we are now in episode number 11. Today I want to talk to you about another big mistake. Not getting it in writing. Having work done without a contract. This is such an obvious thing. I mean, it's a no-brainer. Everyone knows that when you hire someone to do work for you, you get something in writing. I mean, what kind of moron would not insist on a written contract? Anyway, all you have to do is watch court shows like The People's Court or Judge Judy. My wife watches those shows, and I'll admit that I sometimes watch those shows with her. And you will sometimes see these cases involving home improvements and contractors. The majority of disputes where the litigants are a contractor and a homeowner. In the majority of those cases, there is no written contract. Now, I'm sure someone could go back into the archives and do the math on it, but I would venture to say that it's well over 90%, probably even up around 99%. Now, on the People's Court, Judge Marilyn Million always says that it doesn't matter if all you have available is a napkin and a crayon. Get it in writing. Eh, we had a verbal contract. Sure, verbal contracts can work when both sides agree on what the verbal contract is. But the problem is, when there is a disagreement, a verbal contract becomes nothing more than one person's word against the other's which is why you see these cases ending up on the People's Court. In almost 20 years of homeownership, I have hired my share of contractors and handymen to do work for me. Sometimes there's been a written contract, and sometimes not. The interesting thing is that if you were to ask me whether or not I would recommend a specific contractor, the ones that I would not recommend were the ones who did work for me without a written contract. I am sure that this isn't just a coincidence. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to talk about a couple of my experiences, give you a couple examples of situations that I've been in and the results. So maybe you'll be able to recognize when you find yourself in a similar situation. First example, back around 1999, holy crap, was it that long ago? I was finishing the basement in my first house, and I needed to have some plumbing work done. I didn't want to take the time to go through the learning curve and do it myself, so I went to the classified section of the newspaper. Remember that? Newspaper? Classifieds? Anyway, this was back in the days before Angie's List or Craig's List. And in the classifieds, there was a section for handymen for hire, and in there... I found an ad for a licensed plumber available for small jobs. And this was a small job. I called him, and he came out to see what I had going on with the house. And after I gave him a tour of the lines that I wanted rerouted and the connections I wanted checked, he told me, no problem. I can do that in a day, so it'll be whatever the amount was. So a couple of days later, he comes out and he does the work. I follow him around, we talk, he shows me how to do some stuff, so I'm learning about plumbing as we go. We get along great. At the end of the day, he started packing up his tools, and before he had a chance to say anything, I went to my sock drawer and I grabbed some cash. So I'm peeling out the bills and I'm handing them to him, and I'm feeling pretty good about myself. After all, I mean, how many people wait until they're told, oh, by the way, you have to pay for the work? And here I was. I didn't even have to be prompted. So I hand him the money. And he hands me a piece of paper. What is this? It was a receipt from the hardware store. I looked at him. I looked at the receipt. I looked back at him. Huh? And he said, That's what you owe me for materials. But... But you said it was going to be whatever the amount was. And I, I I just paid you. And he said that was for my labor. This is for the materials. I looked at the receipt and uh, honestly there was nothing on there that he had not used for my job. Nothing. Not even a soda. And when I saw the amount I said something like Holy crap under my breath. <laughs> and he said. Yeah, the stuff's expensive, isn't it? But I knew from the amount that there was no way the materials were included in his original quote. It just would not have been worth it for him to get out of bed in the morning. So I went back to my sock drawer, and I dug out some more money, and I paid him for the materials. And all was good. But we did have that awkward moment where I thought, eh, this guy's trying to rip me off. And he probably thought, Who is this idiot who expects me to pay for the materials? It was an awkward moment that lasted only a few seconds, but it could have escalated into something much more ugly if we weren't both reasonable adults. It was an awkward moment that could have been avoided for the sake of two simple words plus materials. Now, maybe he said those words when he told me how much the job was going to be in the first place. I don't know. I didn't remember. Or maybe he simply forgot to say those words. It's probably something he said all the time, but maybe in this case he didn't realize that he forgot to say it. I don't know. The point is, there was no way to know because there was nothing in writing. We should have wrote something down, like plumbing, whatever the amount was, plus materials. Then there would have been no question. Fast forward a couple of years to our current house, our money pit, my nightmare. If you go to my website, thumbandhammer.com, you can read about the structural repairs that we had done on the back dormer, and you can read about the work that we had done in the attic. I'm not going to go into detail about those here. The links will be on the show notes page. But this has to do with the back dormer. I had completely gutted the second floor of the house when I came to realize there was a bit of a problem with the back dormer. The previous owner had installed a much larger window and hadn't done anything with the structure. There was no header. So basically part of the roof was being supported by a vinyl window. Now at this point we had found so many other problems with the house that I called up our real estate agent and I whimpered, what do we do? There are all these problems, and I don't want to throw good money after bad. He said, I know this guy. He's a contractor. He's done work for me. He's a good guy. Give him a call. Get his opinion. So I did. He came out on a Saturday. He was in the middle of a project, but he wasn't working on the weekend, so he came out on his day off. And he took a look at the window situation, and he said, no problem. I can fix that for you for $400. You just need to buy some 2x6s and 2x8s. In fact, if you want, I don't have anything else going on today. So we went over to the lumberyard, and there was no question at all whose wallet was coming out to pay for the materials. And, of course, after he finished the repair, I paid him the $400. No confusion. No dispute. No dispute. This was a case where a verbal contract worked. Verbal contracts can work. Now during the course of the day when he was working on the repair, he had handed me his business card which listed bathrooms, basements, additions, garages. Remember, my second floor was completely gutted at this point. So I asked him how much it would cost me to have him completely finish the second floor for us including building a front dormer. He said that it depended on how complicated the wiring was and how fancy we wanted to get with the window. For example, if we wanted a half-moon window, it would be more. But he gave me an amount that seemed to be reasonable. So I understood from what he said the amount was a baseline and any extras would be added to that amount. But at the same time, I made the mistake of saying that I could rough in the wiring myself. Now, here's a lesson. If you volunteer sweat equity, if you offer to do part of the job, you basically become a subcontractor. And I had never worked as a subcontractor before. There came the day that he told me that he had gone as far as he could until I did the electrical rough-in and to call him back when I was ready for him to come back. Well... What would have taken a professional a couple of days, and should have taken me maybe a few weekends, ended up dragging on for a couple months. When I called him back, he was doing outdoor projects. He was working on decks. So he told me to call him back in the fall. Well, the fall became winter, and he finally returned to the job in January, almost a year after he first started it. Because so much time had passed, I suggested that we sit down and discuss where we were, what was left to be done, and how much was still owed. (laughs) Better late than never. But there were things that I thought were included that were not. Like hanging doors was now going to cost $100 per door. And he wasn't going to install the floor. And he also said that he wasn't a painter as it turned out, our definitions of finished varied greatly. And then there was the issue with the front dormer window. The year before, he showed up one day with a side slider for the dormer, and I said, no, 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 I want a double casement window. Now, I knew double casement windows were more expensive, I knew it was an upgrade. So when he came back the next day with the double casement window, I asked him how much I owed him for the upgrade. And he said, nah, don't worry about it. At that point, I thought we were even. I thought that maybe he got a good deal on the window or something. Now, as we were sitting down, hashing out the nitty gritty, he told me, "Eh, by the way, you owe me for the window. I said, I assumed the window was included. And he said, the slider was. But the casement window cost more. I said, well, you know, at the time he told me not to worry about it. I offered to pay. And he said, I told you not to worry about it that day. I knew you were good for it. I, you were always good at paying, but I I just meant that you didn't have to pay me that day. <sighs> anyway, we worked out what was left for him to do and how much I owed him and When he was finished, I was left with an unfinished second floor. But the one thing I did right, the one thing I did right before he loaded the last of the tools into his truck was I took out a couple pieces of paper and I wrote on them that I had paid in full and that he had completed all the work and we both signed them. He got his copy and I got mine. So at least now we finally had something in writing. Now there's a few things here. Obviously, this was a big job. We absolutely should have had a written contract. Finish the attic? (laughs) That was just too vague. We should have defined exactly what was included in the job. The framing, the insulation, the vapor barrier, the drywall, the window installation. We should have defined what materials were included. That would have solved the window dispute and when i upgraded to this from the side slider to the casement window that would have been something called a change order we should have defined what the approximate completion date of the project was and if he was relying on me to finish the electrical rough-in by a certain point that point probably should have been defined as well we also should have had in writing what was not included like installing the floor and painting. And along the way, when extras cropped up, we should have had change orders, like for the window upgrade, like I already said, or for removing the chimney. That way, we would have both known exactly where we stood at all times, because sitting down near the end of the project was much more painful than it would have been to sit down at the beginning. Now, I've given just a couple examples where we found ourselves working without a written contract. It can happen. It did happen. And I think the cases where it happened were a result of a couple of things. In the case of the plumber, it was a small one-day job. Is a contract absolutely necessary in those instances? Probably not. But would it have helped? (laughs) Yeah, of course it would have. In the case of the contractor who worked on our upper level... The back dormer repair was a small one-day job, and there was no question that we had a verbal agreement. Not a problem there. But where did we go wrong with the renovation of the second floor? Why did we wait a year before we put anything in writing? I don't have an easy answer for that. For myself, I think I was just excited that someone other than me was doing the work. I'd been feeling overwhelmed, and now someone else was going to do the work for me. We had talked about that job as he was working on the back dormer. That was a relatively long day, and I don't think either of us would have wanted to sit down and talk about any of the details if the other had suggested it that day. And the day that he started the project, well, he hauled his tools upstairs and he started digging in. I think I was just impressed by the fact that it was happening. Oh my goodness, this is happening. The second floor is going to get finished. The the whole idea of getting a written contract just fell off the radar, and as the project unfolded day after day, the need for a contract seemed less and less necessary. Don't get me wrong, I kept track of payments, and we both initialed when payments were made. But a written agreement about what actual work was going to be done? I don't know. Did we just forget about it, or did we forget about it by design? was the contractor simply avoiding a paper trail to avoid the tax man. Mm. And really, up to that time, I had always had positive experiences when hiring people to do any kind of work for me. So I guess this was me just being naive, thinking that everything was going to work out okay. So I'm rationalizing not having a written contract by um, believing that it just wasn't going to be necessary. Hey, I said I was naive. <laughs> Obviously, I was wrong about the contract not being necessary. Anyway, um, generally speaking, there are a couple reasons why a contractor might prefer not to have anything in writing. Now, by no means am I saying that that was the case here. But it usually has to do with avoiding that paper trail. Doing the work under the table means that they can avoid paying taxes on the income or avoid the hassles of inspections that can slow a project down. A homeowner might prefer to avoid the paper trail for the same reason. If a contractor avoids income tax, they can often do the work for less money. Evading the permit requirements and inspections you know, keeping the work off the books. That means avoiding an increase in property taxes that could come as a result of increased property value. I'm only putting that out there to answer the question, why wouldn't you want a contract? The tax thing and the permit and inspection thing, those can be on the up and up without a contract. And having a contract may not necessarily guarantee that everything is on the up and up. Notwithstanding the greater legal implications of tax fraud and such, let's just look at things from a civil perspective. A written contract prevents disputes, plain and simple. Here's an example of that. This is one of the best experiences that I've had with any contractor. The plumber that I hired for the hot water heating system in our current house was absolutely insistent about having everything in writing. He refused to even give a ballpark estimate before he went home to work out the numbers. His written estimate served as the contract and it clearly stated what was included in the price along with the payment terms when each installment was due. When he was doing the work, he mentioned that the gas line going to the stove was kinked and should be replaced. I told him to go ahead. I think I would kind of expected him to do it that day and just tack on the extra cost of the total. Instead, he came back the next day with another written estimate for that job. It probably took him longer to prepare the paperwork than to do the job itself. But you know what? There was never any question what the additional cost was going to be. And over the years, I have dealt with other contractors who were just as, if not more, Detail oriented with well written contracts, and generally speaking, those experiences have all been positive. So, a contract can be as simple as a piece of paper with a quickie job description and a price scribbled on it. But the best contracts are going to include the following elements one, the job description, two, the price and the payment terms when installments are due. Three, what is included in that price? The materials to be used and what the contractor is going to do. Four, what is not included? For example, price does not include taxes or homeowner responsible for obtaining permits or to use an example from my own past, priming and painting not included. 5. Details of any warranty and the transferability of that warranty. 6. Details of liability limitations. For example, a roofing company usually mentions somewhere in the contract that cracks to interior plaster or drywall are to be expected and that they are not responsible for that kind of damage. Um, We're going to talk further about that next week with John from azdiyguy.com. And finally, seven, the contract should also mention that the contractor has workers' compensation insurance or the equivalent. The last thing that you want is for someone to fall off your roof and sue you under your homeowner's policy. At any rate... You should always insist on a written contract. But if the person you are hiring is resistant to putting it in writing for whatever reason, explain that it will protect them as well as you. Put the ball in their court. Let them know that you want to make sure that they are satisfied at the end of the day, that they have completed all the work, and that you have paid them everything that they are owed. Tell them that you want to avoid any confusion or disagreements. I mean, sure, you, you're you protecting yourself, but you're also putting things in their perspective because a contract does indeed protect both parties. And if they are still resistant to creating a paper trail, let them know that the contract is just between you. It has nothing to do with what happens between them and the taxman, and you really don't care about that. And if after that they still don't want to put it in writing... <laughs> See, that as a red flag. They are just protecting their own butt. And it's time for you to look for another contractor. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Once again, I want to thank you very much for listening. Next week, John from azdiyguy.com returns to the podcast with some insights and advice as he talks about his most recent experience with contractors and contracts. So until then, take care. Cheers. Hey, do you have a home improvement story to share? It doesn't matter whether it's DIY or contractor-related. If you have an experience that others can learn from or find inspiration in, then you could be a featured guest on a future episode of this podcast. Contact me through the website at thumbandhammer.com contact and leave me an email or voice message and I will get in touch with you to work out the details. Thank you.